And so, what we're going to look at is, first of all, we know there's there's a lot of bad things, but we'll we'll put them in four classifications. That and that's how it was broke down the way that uh, Watson did it. So we'll we'll kind of follow that flow. Martin Luther said that he really didn't understand a lot of the Book of Psalms until he was afflicted. And he started getting the idea of what Psalms was about in a lot of areas. And affliction can definitely teach us what sin is. You know, the darkness of it. Whenever the, per- the Word is preached about it, it shows that it's a dreadful thing. It's, it's defiling. It, it's damning. And the thing is, though, until we're afflicted, sometimes we tend to think to think to take things for granted. And sometimes we kind of forget about our sin. We overestimate ourselves. I've done that before. And sometimes I just don't tend to fear sin as, as much as it really ought to be. I fear it like what a paper lion would be. You know, what can a paper lion do, right? Well, God can let loose affliction and then we start to feel sin and we start to feel how bitter it is. A sick bed can often bring us to the attention to the Lord where we have kind of been putting Him aside a little bit. And in a sick bed, you really have time to think about certain things where maybe before you were so busy you didn't think about it. We can uh, see the ugliness of sin in, in affliction. And what it, what it can do, it can help us to see ourselves a little bit better. It can help us know ourselves in prosperity. Things are going along. We're for the most part kind of strangers to ourselves of what we really are. We can make things look a lot better to ourselves. We can kid ourselves, and um, but God knows us. And, and He knows the battles we have. He knows the struggles. Those are obvious. But sometimes there's a lot of sin or potential sin that can be in our lives that we're really not aware of. And He can give us some time sometimes to think about it. To know ourselves where we are uh, maybe corrupt in our thinking. Um, he uh, Watson used the idea of uh, water. And I think usually in our times, water is pretty clear by the time you get it to your faucet. Unless you live up in Michigan. <laughs> I guess you've heard the stories that going up there. But, you know, our water is, is pretty clear looking. I don't know what it was back at their time. I would tend to think it would be pretty good if it came out of a spring or, or, or well. But he said uh, sometimes the water can be in a glass and it can look really clear. But then you set on a fire and the scum boils up to the top. You ever seen that? <laughs> Ooh, that's... And you say, well, I was going to drink that. Um same way it is with the with the saints. Uh, when we have the fire of affliction, guess what can come boiling up to the top? Some of the scum that we didn't think was really that scummy. And there it is. It can be things like impatience. Things that don't even seem like sin, but our little impatience comes up, or some t- things where we have a little bit of uh, unbelief, or somebody like me complaining about the weather which I tend to do, and I'm trying to get better at that, but um, that's it's sin. Uh, in the book of Ruth, you had a lady by the name of Naomi, and she said, my name is Mara. It means bitter. And in that 121 of Ruth, it says, the Almighty hath afflicted me. Remember that one? The old, she's saying it right there. Now, it may, it may be because she's bitter at that time of God, but I think she also has pretty good theology in that. Overall, yeah, it might be because things really happened. You know, she lost her husband. She lost her sons. Now she's going to go back home um, to the homeland. and uh, But she knows that God is in control when it's all said and done, he's the one who's afflicted me. Now, Job said something like the same thing. In Job 1.21, and uh, we know that where it says there, the Lord gives and the devil takes away. 
No. <laughs> Augustine used that in, in his writing on this, um, talking about Job. It, Job really says, the Lord takes away in the book of Job there. So whoever brings an affliction to us, ultimately it's God who is ultimately sending it as we get it from Job there. And we'll look at some other places. That was the passage. Uh, um, I'm not so sure what I said. Uh, I mean, uh, you mean about the part where I'm talking about where we're headed is to show some other areas where it's saying that we're afflicted by God. Because that sounds really hard. And you have to almost correct yourself or at least uh, qualify yourself when you say that. But ultimately, God can keep things from happening if He's sovereign. And, and He can work the afflictions for good. So we'll, we'll look at, at some of these and see uh, how He does this. And really... It's going to show that we're the ones who bring on that affliction. We're the ones that ultimately, I mean, I mean, in a sense, first causes it in a, in a lot of situations. Not always, but um, and if for nothing else, that's just the aspect of what sin does—the original sin, as far as uh, the nature of sin. How about Judah when they were in captivity in Babylon, and God is going to bring on judgment to them? Severe affliction. And he kept warning them and warning them and warning them. He used Jeremiah. Uh, he turned to Jeremiah 24.5, if you like. They had the opportunity to listen to God and obey as he kept sending the word to them. And then finally, he's going to have to bring on judgment. The Babylonians are going to come. They're going to be taken captive. In Jeremiah 24.5, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. It's the word of God. Like those good figs, so I will regard as good the captives of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I'll bring them again to this land. I'll build them up, not overthrow them, and I'll plant them and not pluck them up. He's going to bring in judgment, but before it even happens, he says this is going to work for good. And he does give a promise, I'll bring him back. But in the meantime, he puts on quite the judgment, quite the discipline, doesn't he? And, and, it's, and it's good. It was for their good when it was ultimately being brought forth. The captivity that they had. That's an incredible thought. David says it in Psalm 119.71, and this is probably really familiar. And it kind of sounds like a backward statement when you first hear it. But we know what it's saying. It is good for me that I was afflicted. Why? That I may learn your statutes. It was good for me that I was afflicted. God works all things together for good. Even the afflictions. That's pretty incredible. Um... When you have a vessel that's made of gold, it can't be made to being made that vessel until there is first what fire. You have to, and of course we sing about, uh, and, and we saw that uh, one hymnal. Uh, taking the dross. Exactly, taking the dross right out of there. That's the Flag, flag, rust, flag, rust. There we go again. Yeah, there's always quotes about rust too. You know, it, it it's a good thing that we are put in. Um, let's see, what is it? Where there's uh, the file, so that the file might really be seemingly harming us, and what it's doing, it's taking off the rust. So, anyway, that. The idea about the furnace of affliction, there has to be a melting, a, a refining. We had that word in one of the, the hymns that we had. Oh, all those songs just fit. It was just like, those songs are just made for what we're doing today. The Lord takes a, a lot of different things and puts them together, doesn't He?
Uh, I like Psalm 25.10 where it says all the paths of the Lord, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. All the paths. All things. He works all things. You mean even afflictions? Yeah, He does. It's like a painter. He intermixes the colors. You have different colors. And boy, a good painter can really put those all together and make an interesting picture. But a really good painter is going to put in dark shadows. You can have all the bright colors, but if you don't have shadows in there, it's not going to look real, is it? The best painters are the ones that have shadows all over the place. You know, and you know, you either notice them or you, or you don't. But if they're not there, it doesn't look real. We have shadows all over the place. We have shadows in here right now. We have shadows on our face. You know, I was looking outside. I see shadows out there in the field where the sun is shining. Still there. God mixes mercy with His discipline. He knows exactly how much to give too in that. Isn't that interesting? All of these are beneficial. He's saying this this actually is good when we have afflictions. Let's give some examples of some characters. Uh, would you say Joseph would be an ideal example of one who was afflicted? Well, let's see. What did his brothers do? Threw him into the pit. And then what did they do? Sold him into slavery. They got into slavery, and of course he got into the mess there. Potiphar's, you know, as he was being a servant there, and then he got put in prison. <laughs> but God had a purpose. And then when we see the whole story, and then we look at Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph got it. He's trying to explain to his brothers. They were the ones that started the affliction. But God used that too. He could have kept that from happening. And you think, well, yeah, Joseph's quite a believer. Why would God let him do that? Well, when it's all said and done in 50.20, it says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Nobody knew what this was all going to do. God is uh, the grand designer, isn't He? He's the weaver. Well, that's incredible. What a story. That's why Romans 8.28 correlates with Genesis 50.20. So good. And He's talking there. That was quite the afflictions. Another one's King Manasseh. Now, we don't hear too much about King Manasseh, but I will tell you, to go on record, he's one of the worst kings that... Israel ever had in their history. An evil king led people into more and more and worse idolatry. Of course, whenever he was taken away, as they were to be taken captivity, he was bound in chains. Here is, he had a crown of gold and he exchanges it for fetters. Uh, let's go to Second Chronicles, uh, 2 Chronicles 33. 2 Chronicles 33. After the kings, Dennis. Okay. 33, 11, and 12. Oh. I have to tell myself. Uh, verse 10 says, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people. They paid no attention. Well, they, they never do, do they? Therefore the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them. They captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze chains, took him to Babylon. When he was in distress, I would call this affliction, wouldn't you? He entreated the Lord, really sought out the Lord, his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, he was moved by his entreaty, God was, heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem, to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. I would say there must have been a conversion there. What do you think? This is like as about as evil as you can get of a, of a leader, of a man. And yet God is so gracious. And i got a feeling He used all of this stuff. It's got to be for good. 
Manasseh looks like a prime candidate to go to hell. And this is how God saved him. Incredible. How about Job? By the end of the book of Job, in chapter 42, verse 10, what a spectacle of misery. I can't think of anybody that was afflicted more than Job, as far as this man is concerned. We know what happened to Jesus, obviously. But over this course of time, how he was afflicted severely. And then we get to the back of the book. Everybody knows the story of Job. But here's the verse 10. Then the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. Job prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. And people read it today, and it is of great value to all Christians, isn't it? What a story that was. There are a lot of reasons that uh, God used Job a testimony from heaven here about integrity that he maintained, though. And God certainly compensated the loss, didn't he? How about Paul in the New Testament? He was smitten. Well, he was smitten more than once. But the first time that we see is whenever God blinds him. Yeah. <laughs> God did that, didn't he? Yeah. God just blinded him. Took his sight away. I'm sure it was pretty uncomfortable. He doesn't know what's going on as far as he's concerned. He might be like this the rest of his life. You know, like like what happened? Oh, this bright light and boom, the lights went out. And the light of grace then came in and made it shining into his soul. And that's the beginning of a conversion. What an incredible thing. That, all things work together for good. Uh, Watson used this, as the hard frost in winter bring on the flowers in the spring. I see this flower sitting right out there in the vestibule. Is that what we call this? The entrance? The foyer? <laughs> Pretty. And then I saw roses out there. Springtime. And you know, it wasn't too long ago, like this morning, we had frost. <laughs> Somebody told me we had frost. I don't know if we did or not, but did you guys have any frost? No, so somebody at our church said it was a hard frost that they had. Said it was on, on their windshield. and everything. I go, really? Whatever it was. You know, we had those like every day back in February. Yeah, I'm out there scraping every day. The night ushers in the morning star. All night it's been dark and all of a sudden the morning star happens. That's what happens with the evils of affliction. They produce much good to those who love God. Now, here's the question. A young Christian, hearing this for the first time, might say, wait a minute, that's not the kind of God I have. He wouldn't do those kind of things. You have to remember, this is, this is good. Look what He's going to do when it's all said and done. It's looking at God in a bigger way. And so somebody says, how can this be? How can affliction ever work for good? Well, it means, first of all, for making the heart upright. In prosperity, the heart kind of clings on to God. Over here, kind of clings on to the world. Some of the things that um, maybe kind of be holding to a little bit, partly to God, partly to the world in, in that sense. But there's correction here that, that God is doing, and He's going to set things not so important in our lives. He's going to kind of separate those things from the world. Our heart doesn't want to cling to some of those things like it did. Um, Watson used like an example of holding a crooked rod over the fire to straighten it. Now, I never have done that. Of course, Watson's coming back from the 1600s, you remember. So he uses examples that they'd be, they'd be doing, but it's like taking sin that has bent the soul and then having the fire of affliction straighten it out again. That's really what it is. We're bent. Yeah, what'd you say? That makes sense. Doesn't it? Like a barrier, you know, straighten it with the fire and the metal. 
So and, and it's got to be really hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's aim it. Come on. That's true. That's true. Shape. Shape. Yeah. Whatever. Nice, comfortable. Compliant. Adaptable. Molded. Adaptable. It is true. Wake up, Pop. So these things aren't offensive to you guys, are they? You know why? Because you probably have been there. He keeps doing, and man, and he's doing a great job. He's doing a great job. It, it's not that we really. Oh man, I love this discipline. And he, you know, we we don't really take it that way, but we do know that God is there. He's doing something. You know? Not all joy. <laughs> yeah, that's James. Count it all joy. <laughs> Count it all joy. That's what he says. All the way through Scripture it says that. Um, Christ's image. We're made in the image of Christ. We are to be like Him, aren't we? We are being made like Him. That's where everything is really headed. One day we will be absolutely like Him in glorification. Um, John Calvin said this, Christ's life was a series of sufferings, a man of sorrows, a man of what? A man with, acquainted with grief. Said he wept, he bled. And was his head crowned with thorns and do we think to be crowned with roses? It's good to be like Christ. So, was it Paul said, Oh, to know Him. To know Christ. And then he said, after that, and the fellowship of His sufferings. Hmm. Be made like Christ. Quite a thought. It's good to be like Christ. He sweat drops of blood and then we know it's like He drank the poison of wrath. He drank the cup to its dregs, right? The bitterness. But yet, Watson said it's like there's some wormwood still a little left in the cup and he's left that for the saints to drink so they would be acquainted with the sufferings of Christ. That will be something that um, we all kind of go through. And then if we think about sufferings, we can kind of see a little bit what Christ had. And we will never match that. Thank the Lord. He paid for that sin totally. Uh, so, another thing, not only being conformed to Christ or making the heart upright as we previously said, but it's about destruction to sin. Uh, mortification to sin. There there you go. Uh, right, John Owen. And that, sin is like a tree Watson said, that breeds the worm. I like this. The sin, I mean, okay, sin is like a tree that breeds a worm. Okay, the worm comes out. Affliction is like the worm that then eats the tree. <laughs> so, the Lord sends the affliction, you know, and at the same time, and, and then that, it's like that worm, that affliction, it, it eats our sin. And, uh, you know, degrees, there's degrees of work that's happening there. But what if we have such a rough file, but that it would mean less rust? So, and, and then we have to compare it to a physician. A physician who prescribes the perfect medicine. That stuff really can do a number on you. Tastes terrible for number one. But number two is that, boy, I can't even sleep at night. You know, it really keeps me up. And it kind of conflicts. But if it's really good, it'll carry off maybe a disease. Whenever he's working on us, he's carrying off what? Spiritual diseases. So, those afflictions, they can be good. They can be good. I was talking about the world earlier. This is 
going right along with it. He, he loosens our hearts from the world. Um, God digs away all those earthly comforts. Loosens our heart from the earth. It's attached to the earth and He's loosening from that. Another thing that, uh, that it does, the afflictions, makes way for comfort. Look in John 16.20. I believe he's talking to the disciples here, Jesus is. By the way, thank you uh, for putting up with my my voice this week. It's not really any better than it was a few weeks ago. I do have a, an appointment Tuesday, and hopefully we'll be able to figure out what's going on here. It's not a sickness, like something that can be spread. I had that checked out. At least they could tell me what it wasn't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but anyway, it makes me... Uh, almost choke a little bit, and that's why my voice really sounds kind of strange. <laughs> or you might have thought, well, that's what his voice is. He's just getting old. <laughs> oh, you haven't even noticed? All right, well, good. <laughs> and you know me pretty well. I've asked people that before, and they said, I didn't notice anything. That's good. Because, <laughs> boy, I sure do. <laughs> anyway, uh, John sixteen twenty, Truly, truly, you always go like that. I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. There's going to be some uh, tough time for disciples. He, and he's talking here, context is about his death and, of course, his resurrection. But, you know, they're going to have to to deal with that. But he says, it's going to turn into joy. He knew exactly what he was saying. We look at that and we go, well, sure. Chris, we have been at that time. We go, what is going on? What is he? I, I don't understand. It's kind of nice to be able to look at God's Word and then realize that some of these things that have come on to us in our lives and everybody here at the church has probably gone through some sicknesses and some worse than others and some have had it for had some kind of ailment for quite some time, you, you guys know. And of course, well, Dennis got some surgery coming up, you know, major surgery. Major surgery. Yeah. Young man? Still yet? Yeah, very young. Anyway, um, makes way for a, an inward peace. Sorrow should be turned into joy. Um, Jesus turned the water into wine um, after a bitter pill Watson said this God gives sugar <laughs> I think I used that last week how about Paul whenever he was in prison and Paul and Silas are together in prison and what are they doing when they're in prison when they've been afflicted and they're in bonds and such they're, you got it right there they're singing songs of praise how sweet that is to such a bitter thing that happened. And so we go to the means for making us happy. Affliction is a means that God uses to make us happy. <laughs> what? Happy is the man whom God corrects. I've got to look at this. I've got it written down. I'm going to go to Job. 5.17. And is that right? Did he really say that? Who said that? Was that one of his friends or was that him? It's in Job. Job's got it written down here, right? Behold. Check this out. How happy is the man whom God reproves. So do not, do not despise the discipline of the Almighty because He's going to bring you happiness. Was that Eliphaz that, that said that? It's amazing. They said great truths, doctrinally right, but yet delivered in the wrong way, not knowing exactly as far as counsel that should be served to Job. But, you know, that's quite a truth there. That That is right, isn't it? And you look all the way through there and you go, you know, it's about God being just. But Eliphaz is saying the innocent do not suffer. And so therefore, Job, you are not innocent. And there's the problem, isn't it? 
as he actually you know used things that uh, are scripture and are principles truth so and you know what he's doing as he gives mercy to us he's drawing us near isn't he and you can think of the prodigal of course there was one who went out and did all the things that he wanted to do. And then we got to the most desperate place ever in his life. What did he do? Well, he, he returned back home, returned to the Father, not expecting the reward that he would be getting, but he got near to his Father. And that's what's good about afflictions. It draws us even more near to him. Another one, uh, about, and this is kind of interesting, we don't think about this too much, but it often can silence the wicked. They can be put to silence, kind of a lock put on them. They don't have anything else to say. Whenever the atheists of the world see where a person of God, and they know that that person has claimed to be a God and, and the great testimonies about what God does, and they see them being able to go through such tough situations that... It's like, how could anybody go through all that? It can be any number of things. Death, sickness, severe pain for a long time. Who knows what all the things that it could be. And and somebody that says he doesn't believe in God and then he takes notice, sometimes it just stops their mouths, doesn't it? Because they have no other explanation. And so God can use that. And then the one I like the most is this. Second Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. I have five on your outline, and uh, that was one of my typo deals there. Yeah, I noticed that. I was looking at it today, and I turned to chapter 5. Wait a minute, that's not it. It's in the chapter before this. So, hey, you're paying attention. You caught it. It's chapter 4. And as soon as we read it, we know exactly what it is. Matter of fact, I want to look at verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day, becoming like Christ. For momentary, don't you like this? Light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, we can see those things, but at the things which are not seen, the spiritual. For the things which are are seen are temporal. It's going to last for a moment. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The glory. The glory that, that makes way for glory. Afflictions prepare for glory. A painter lays his gold upon the dark colors and it just just comes out in a glorious way. The dark colors of affliction and then God's glory shining in front of it all. It's beneficial to the saints. Affliction. It's a good thing. You know what? Here's what Watson said again. I like this one. The worst that God does to His children is to whip them to heaven. (laughs) He whips us right on into heaven. That's the worst thing that He does. And that's a good thing because we're talking about going into heaven. Uh, That was Thomas Watson. That's some of the things that gets my attention. I can't help but smile. You know, I'm going, okay. If that's the worst that He does, Putting it in the plain English language. I don't know if you started, if you whipped a child today, you might be taken to jail. That's back in the days when they did that. Matter of fact, wasn't necessarily my days, but I can remember whenever <laughs> that happened. <Are> you guys, <laughs> what's that? The wooden spoon. The wooden spoon. I, I had. Uh, the wooden spoon. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Wrecking today works. Oh. My grandchildren never heard of it before, and I said, "I've got my wooden spoon." And they went, "Oh, oh no!" The deal is, they know Grandma. 
Mine was always a switch. You gotta go out there and you cut you had to cut your own switch. And it gets laid on you. When you come back with a log, you know you didn't get the You didn't do that, did you? But the switch might still remember. They remember that. Very effective. There was a reason for that. You know what? It worked. That worked together for good too, didn't it? Who knows what they might have turned out like if they wouldn't have had it. Oh, let's see. We're only on number two. Temptation. Okay, now we looked at affliction. Okay, what's what else is bad? Well, temptation. Who is the tempter? Satan. We know about that, right? What he does is he observes our temperament. Uh, the very character we have. And he's, he's, he's smart. Very smart. Much more than, than us. And he knows the suitable baits for temptation for each one of us. And so he's going to bring on what will work for us, that he thinks anyway. It's not that he knows of man's every thoughts. He doesn't. You know, he's, he's still a fallen angel. He's not God. But he, know, he does know our temperament. He, he can watch us. And he's seen what we've done before. Uh, and that, that means all of the enemy. Uh, all the demons and such. But, you know, he, he lays his baits. And sometimes, I, I think he, he always picks the fittest time to tempt. It's very specific when he does it. May lay off for a while, then he finds out a very time that that he can get to you. And of course, he can make use of a lot of different things and even people. The nearest relations to us, he can he can even use. And matter of fact, in Job, uh, uh, I think we know about Job and, and his wife, and whenever she said, uh, "Curse God and die," right? But Job seemed to handle that that one okay. Um, of course, I think uh, Satan is most to be feared whenever he becomes an angel of light. And, of course, he can be using Scripture. Of course, he used Scripture with Jesus whenever he tried to tempt him. You know, it is written. And, of course, we come back with it is written. Uh, how powerful is he? Well, the extent of it is that he can instill even uh, evil thoughts into the mind. And you see that in John 13. A prime example, a, mo- a most obvious example, chapter 13, verse 2, Lord's Supper. Judas is at the table at this moment. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, to betray Jesus. So he can kind of instill those, maybe excite the corruption within that we already battle with. He can really excite that, stir it up, to work it up, an inclination that we already have there and be taken away by it. David, First Chronicles 21.1, he was provoked, I mean, the Satan actually provoked David to number the people. Now, David still had to follow the action. It wasn't that he had to do that. But he had a tendency to have it. There seemed to be a little bit of pride, maybe, a little bit there, of having the numbers. And Satan, knowing that, provoked... And that's what it says in the, in the First Chronicles in that thought. So, um, that's some of the ideas that can be put forth. Um, temptation also can really send us to prayer. Because when we know we're really getting hit by something, and we're, you know, maybe we're blindsided by it, but we recognize it. We go, oh, I know where this is coming from. And you go right into prayer. The more furiously Satan tempts us, and the more we know what he's doing with us, the more furious and fervently we are praying. (laughs) And God puts that into our heart to do that. I think also the more a child is tempted, the more he's going to fight against temptation. He's going to fight it. What else does uh, 
temptation do? Well, we can swell up with pride. That's easy to do. In 2 Corinthians 12.7, very famous verse, Paul writes about it. He had seen the, he'd been called up to the what? The third heaven. And knowing Paul's background, pretty good opportunity there maybe to have a, a little pride in this, seeing the things that uh, he saw. And God knew the tendency that Paul could have. God's going to have to teach him. Um, what is it? Second Corinthians 12. That's the one. Yeah. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Why? To keep me from exalting myself. And my version has an exclamation point there. I don't know if that's in the Greek. <laughs> anyway, that makes it really clear in NAS. That's what it does there. But to keep me from exalting myself. Temptations can be good. Hmm. To keep us from being puffed up with pride. The devil tempts. At the same time, while the devil is tempting, what is the Lord doing? He's not tempting us. He, the Lord never tempts us, it says in the Scripture. It says that in James, doesn't it? But, He's giving us a trial. Satan tempts. God is putting us on trial for sincerity. How sincere are we with that? The sin hasn't happened, but the temptation is there. Right? Those fiery darts are coming at us. And there's another thing. We can uh, comfort each other when we've gone through a temptation and maybe failed. And then we go through a temptation that's like it and we pass. God can use that for others. Aha! That's right. 2 Corinthians 1. It's talked about the God of all comfort where we will comfort those Comforting with the comfort we ourselves ever see, something that Yeah. As a matter of fact, comfort is a real key key word in that chapter. It keeps talking about comforting all those distresses. Yeah, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy, the God of comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be. Those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Yeah, and then he keeps on talking about that comfort, doesn't he? Isn't that great to know? God sends the comfort. I like that. Great distress. Matter of fact, temptation can really make us long for heaven because we start thinking, oh, you know what? I'll never sin there. There won't be a possibility to sin whenever we're in glory. There won't be any temptation. It can't be there. So if there's no temptation, there can't be any sin. That's right. Isn't that wonderful? We will never have another battle with sin again at that time. Temptations, they work for good? No drama. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'd be funny. Oh, And we know that whenever we're in temptation, we rely totally upon the strength of Christ because that's the only power that we have to take that. In Hebrews 2.18, it says that, that He Himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to keep us that are tempted. He's able to, and, and of course, He proved it whenever... He lived here. He never succumbed to any temptation. Somebody can say, all right, listen, sometimes a saint is spoiled by Satan. Yep. Sometimes it seems like he wins a battle. How can it be for good? Well, there again, we have a God that overrules every time. 
Peter failed, didn't he? Peter get the behind me, or Satan get the behind me as he talks to Peter. Jesus does because he says, "Hey, Lord, you don't have to go to the, you don't have to cross, you don't have to go to die, you know." And God's plan was that He would, die. and that was like He was moved by Satan to say something that sounds so good, so encouraging, but it was not God's plan. And uh, as and of course the Lord said that. I'm doing this. And really, it's going to work out for good, isn't it? In that uh, Matthew 26, we see that um, he went out wept bitterly. He's going to restore his brothers as a result of this too. Um, we do not see him fearful of temptation as we look at his writings in First and Second Peter. And we see him in the book of Acts and the preaching that he does. Um, but there, God made use of that. Christ let him fall, but God kept him through all the way through, even though he fell. Well, that's that's an evil of temptation. What was first? Afflictions? Then the evil of temptations. A third one here, desertion. Have you ever felt that God has deserted you sometimes. It seems like you're all alone. You know better. You know His presence over there. We, we sing a, a verse about His presence, and His presence never leaves us. But there is a sense where it just doesn't seem like He's there listening. seems far away. The fact of the matter is, it's not so much that He deserts us as <laughs> we desert Him. Sometimes he, uh, He's always calling us to have close communion with Him. But sometimes that close communion doesn't seem close. And you know what? That desertion, even that, is kind of interesting because he doesn't desert the ungodly because they're not his. How can he desert them whenever he's not there with? They don't want his grace. They want their health. They want their wealth. They want all the stuff the world has to offer. Be able to do whatever they want to do. But they don't want God's favor. They don't want mercy and grace because they're having too much fun now. Or that's what they think they are. That's what they want to do. So the Lord is never saying that He withdraws His love from a wicked one in, in that sense. It's like, But they never had His presence. A lot of times, you know, underneath the ground... You know, the earth may want a crop of corn and we put it on there and everything, right? But who knows what's underneath in that ground? It may be oil. It, it, it could be uh, gold, right? This could be, who knows what's underneath there? Or the crop will come out. It doesn't look like it right now, right? What's, what's underneath there? A Christian always has grace within. And sometimes it doesn't seem like the fruit of joy is there. It hasn't grown yet. But it will. David, whenever he was really dejected, and whenever he's confessing his sin in Psalm 51, he said, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Right? Now, Augustine said this, He does not pray, Lord, give me your Spirit. Rather, take not away your spirit. He had the Spirit of God remaining on him. His presence was always there. And he was... The Spirit of God is... Once He is in us, He's in us there forever. Right? Corey King prayed that a lot too. She was always worried. But she knew. (laughs) Yeah, you you know doctrinally, but at the same time it seems like... Oh yeah. Yeah. Pray to that we'll hear His voice, hear that Spirit trying to talk to us and tell us what to do. Okay. I can hear. What do you want? You know. But we know He's in there. Mm-hmm. We can't hear. Exactly. That's that's exactly the, the way it is. Yeah. We experience that. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, those little desertions, whatever we want to call them. They're, there you go. That's they're temporary. They're but for a time. Uh, oh, God's time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Isaiah 54, 8 says, In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on you. I think he's talking to the nation there that he was going to judge. But at the same time, he says, I have everlasting kindness and mercy. Uh, even though he had to bring on the discipline there. These these desertions are good. They 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 can take us away from the world. Uh, all those secular things that try to steal heart too much. Uh, they can make us want Christ more than ever. Whenever it seems like he's been, we really beg of him. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Let's go to a scripture on that. Psalm sixty three, one through three. O God, You are my God. I shall seek You earnestly. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh yearns for You. Look at this. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Here's a thirsting soul. It seems like there's been some desertion. Thus, I have seen You in the sanctuary to see Your power and Your glory because Your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise You. You know, we're to be thirsting after Him. He says, it's dry, it's a weary land, there's no water. And so he might have even been feeling that as far as the presence of God is concerned, but he knows, he knows the truth. And I think God can use this way as a way to make us value His love for us even more. Whenever, again, maybe if if it's been like a withdrawal, we know that whenever He comes back to it and he's always there but whenever we have that close communion there's nothing like it and what it also can do it makes us bitter against sin if there's been some sin that has kept us from having that relationship with him we know that that's misery to a saint and he wants the presence of Christ and 